It is time for midday here on the Rural Radio Network as we begin, as we always do, with our leadoff hitters at the round table today, featuring Susan Littlefield right here for a change. Bob Brogan is here, as always, looking dapper, and uh, Brandon Bennett's out of the bullpen, subbing for Jason Jorgensen, who is at a very important place. We'll catch up with that. In just a little bit, but uh, Susan, good to see your face. Why, thank you very much. Yours as well. Why, thank you. So, uh, what's going on today? So, how old is the bread on your on your counter? The bread on yeah, my counter. Yeah, loaf of bread. Mm, All of you. I'm gonna I'm gonna say it's uh, oh gosh maybe a week. I'm gonna bet the over. You're gonna go overs. Yeah. Overs, okay. I have no bread on my counter. I keep it all in the refrigerator. How would you like to have found a loaf that was 14,400 years old? I think it would be uh, tough to eat. I think it would be great for penicillin production, though. That's true. It might be. Mm -hmm. We're going to find out more from the Jordan ambassador, Adina Kawar. I got a chance to meet her unexpectedly in the office of Congressman Jeff Fortenberry. So she talks about the work that Jordan's doing, the love they have for Nebraska agriculture, and how they plan to learn from Nebraskans when it comes to irrigation. So that's coming up at 1219. At 1245, Alex talks with Sean Sullivan. He has created AgriDealer. So we'll get you more details about that. And then at 117, Colorado Millet is voting for a checkoff. So more with that and Clay at 117. All right. Busy, busy. Yes. As always, Brandon Jason is at Big Ten Media Days. I wonder what they're talking about there. I could only imagine that, especially today, leading off is the commissioner. Mm-hmm. And the number two hole speaker, to use a baseball term on a football day, is Nebraska's very own Scott Frost. I imagine there will be a little media there for that. Please. I would imagine a lot, since he was the coach of the year for six different outlets last year. Jason's going to have an actual report from himself kind of recapping or previewing, maybe I should say, the day. In fact, if I got my time right, the commissioner is on the podium about now, Mm -hmm. and Coach Frost will hit the podium about noon, or if I know media day is probably about noon 15 or so by the time they get through everything. So, commissioner first, then Coach Frost. Jason will have a report, and also Nebraska wide receiver Stanley Morgan, who I always think is a financial advisor. Stanley Morgan, Dean Witter, throw all that in. He's one of 10 players included on 2018 preseason honors list. Obviously, the British Open cleared up yesterday, and swimmer Ryan Lochte has been suspended again by the U.S. Anti-Doping Agency, this time for posting a video of himself getting an IV. That's what launched the investigation, so kids, let that yet again be a lesson. Be careful what you post on Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, you name it. Yeah. has no one to blame but himself, number one, for the act, but especially when you put it for the entire world to see, Darwin will always dumb. have a job. What's that? Because he can't fix dumb. No. He really can't. And, and <laughs> social media is good grief. But wasn't it interesting at the Open, as they call it, the Open? The Open. Know, capital T, capital O. Tiger finished third, fourth. Third place. What, and, but they everybody was watching him. The power of Correct. the Tiger is still... right. Even though he hasn't won in 10 years. Yes, but something. he still is the guy. He is the guy. Bob Brogan. And it's that Rudy thing that everybody yeah. roots for the and underdog. Rudy, Rudy. This, it's much like what we say around here. Brogan, Brogan. No, Bro- okay. they would say Tiger, oh, Tiger, okay. Tiger. Okay. <laughs> I prefer Brogan. Where have you been, Tiger? <laughs> Stocks are mixed on Wall Street at midday. Existing home sales decline. And uh, a little bit of 1984, a school district in upstate New York is considering facial recognition technology or surveillance. 
All right. Very good. All of that coming up on Midday. Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network as we see a rally in the wheat futures today. What's behind it? Let's find out. Mike Zuzalo, Global Commodity Analytics. What's the reasons here? Well, Dewey, I think we've got a situation where the grains are trying to keep the trade as short-term as possible, and the, and the back and forth has been pretty extensive. I think the strength in the market still remains in the wheat market because of what's happening in Europe and the former Soviet Union, and those European wheat prices remain very well underpinned. I think also you probably have a situation in the trade right now going into this afternoon's crop conditions report of a disappointment more than um, an alleviation of dry conditions in the central corn belt the noontime model is also pulling some rains out of missouri illinois and parts of indiana the same areas that probably didn't get what they had expected based upon uh, client calls uh, this morning and talking to clients in those areas wondering whether they had gotten enough rain over the weekend or not well i see this rally is in spite of poor uh, weekly uh, inspections too correct yeah i mean the, the inspections were neutral in the uh, corn and and soybeans uh, maybe a little bit more positive in the soybeans compared to the corn and uh, probably not the greatest in the wheat but not negative either probably li- slightly neutral to slightly lower in the wheat at 14.6 million bushels probably the biggest feature to the t- today's trade is what we found from overnight trade and that is one of uh, the Chinese's largest soybean uh, crushing uh, industry uh, participants did file for bankruptcy. And then that was followed with some USDA reports this morning at 8 Central of cancellations of Chinese soybeans and USDA export sales numbers. So those things are probably what's keeping the beans the weakest of the three. We're talking with Mike Zuzalo of Global Commodity Analytics. Maybe some other topics of discussion will be the upcoming spring wheat tour that'll be coming up yeah you've got several things the market i think is trying to not dial in too aggressively that being one also you've got big trade negotiations with the european union on wednesday as well and then you've also got uh the situation coming up later this week with some more reports uh in in fact today you're getting some cold storage numbers in the livestock which kind of give you an idea of what kind of feeding ration demand we're going to have in the grains as well mike in that december corn contract Technically, 370. You mentioned that last week. Where do we go from here? Yeah, if you can get above that 370, 371 area, as you say, that's today's high is 371 and a half, and you get that done with the wheat still leading, Dewey. I think you could probably mix uh, an idea up in the technicals after the crop conditions come out of trying to test 380 or just underneath 380. That's probably an area, though, that you wouldn't want to push it too hard unless you see the dollar start to give way, because the dollar is starting to show, in my opinion anyway, a little bit more firm buy signal. Do you still feel that wheat futures have to lead the way higher in this market? Yeah, in the longer term, but I think you're also probably getting to the price point where you're going to have to keep demand up and you're going to have to have some news that feeds the bull. And I think that's real crucial, especially as we get into midweek and especially once we find out what's going on with the European Union. If we see fresh tariffs slapped on the United States and the EU, that kind of gives the Chinese, in my opinion, a little bit more wiggle room to trade directly with the European Union and hurt our commodity markets. So I want a trade deal between the United States and EU to put China more on the defensive. We talk with Mike Zuzalo this afternoon on the final bell as well. Thanks for the comments. Go to globalanalytics.biz. Today we've talked with Mike Zuzalo, Global Commodity Analytics.
Time for us to take a look at uh, ag weather, and I'm joined by Paul Perkins. And Paul, kind of an unsettled forecast this week, right? Yes, uh, settled and unsettled and cool, uh, especially towards the end of the week. We're looking at temperatures only around 80 in many locations to you know, close out the weekend. Some numerous rain chances on the way here, especially Wednesday. And you, you were saying just last week that this is typically as hot of a time as we get all year and it hasn't been has yeah it? exactly yeah over the weekend this last weekend mm-hmm. and today are typically our hottest days right. of the year on average when we see an average high in central nebraska of 88 we now start going back to about average highs of 87 for several days as we gradually mm. cool off as we head towards the fall so the peak okay. of summer is occurring today all right <laughs> and it's actually fairly cool yep but right now we do have some scattered rain and thunderstorm activity over the southern Nebraska panhandle into northeast Colorado. And because of that, a flash flood watch is in effect for later this afternoon from about 3 o'clock mountain time into the evening for some slow-moving thunderstorms that will move over east-central portions of Colorado. This does include the counties of Cheyenne County and Kid Carson County in east-central portions of Colorado. Right now, a road closed near Flagler, Colorado, due to water over the road. Some heavy rains last night and some more rain is expected over some saturated area. Just to the west of Parks, Nebraska, in the southwest corner of Nebraska last night, they had upwards of three inches of rain. Some showers and thunderstorms moving through the overnight. A lot of areas to the north of I-80 getting some decent rainfall amounts. Temperatures right now in the mid to upper 70s. Most of us on the dry side. We're already up to 80, though, at Lexington, McCook, and in the Hebron area. It's less humid today, also slightly cooler behind that weak cold front that moved through last night. Thunderstorms are still possible in south and east areas closer to that front. Also, of course, off to our west into the southern Nebraska Panhandle into northeast Colorado. Otherwise, high pressure does move overhead tonight. That will lead to a clear and actually a cool night as some areas will cool off into the 50s tonight. As that area of high pressure drifts east tomorrow, winds will turn south and temperatures will be slightly cooler still than seasonal, but still a little bit warmer than today. Thunderstorm chances are back for tomorrow night. When we see a disturbance off low pressure in Canada kick off some thunderstorms over northern Nebraska, that activity will gradually move into portions of central Nebraska late tomorrow night. Thunderstorms are likely for Wednesday with a stronger disturbance off that low and a stronger cold front. And there is the threat for some strong to severe thunderstorms during the day Wednesday into the night. Some activity could linger across northern Kansas for Thursday, but the main story later in the week will be the much cooler weather behind that cold front with highs in many locations in the upper 70s to the low 80s. Scattered thunderstorms will remain possible Thursday night through Sunday when some more disturbances drop southeast off that low. Now, in the long-term forecast, a good likelihood, especially early on, temperatures in Nebraska, Kansas, and nearly all of the central and east U.S. will be cooler than normal this weekend through the first five days of August. July looks to end on a cool note here. Late July and early August daytime highs in central Nebraska are usually in the upper 80s with average overnight lows in the low 60s. Slightly above normal rainfall is in the forecast in Nebraska and Kansas this weekend and early next week. A likelihood, though, of below normal rain in Nebraska and Kansas the middle of next week through August 5th. Weather factors in the markets uh, that they are considering a cooler weather for the Midwest and generally favorable crop conditions. As the week progresses, cool conditions will become more deeply entrenched across the central and eastern U.S. Hot, humid weather will linger across the deep south. 
Heavy rain in the eastern U.S. could result in additional rain of 2 to 6 inches or more, and especially from Florida into the northeast. Little or no rain will fall in the next five days from the central and east part of Texas into the lower Ohio Valley. Late in the week, showers becoming more numerous across the Rockies and central plains. Soil moisture levels in the Midwest should support continued favorable development. Northern Missouri still quite dry, and they need some rain to prevent further declines in their yields. There is a chance for some rain during the week for Missouri. In the central and southern plains, increasing rain and eventual cool weather this week should help ease the stress in key corn and soybean areas. Little rain in the northern plains the next 7 to 10 days will deplete the soil moisture, but due to a lack of hot weather, little crop stress is expected. The recent rain and less hot Weather in the south and east part of Ukraine and south Russia helped to ease the stress to their late-filling corn. It's unlikely, though, to significantly improve the prospects after the extremes of this summer. All right. Listen, anytime you want to come in here and tell us that it's cooler than it's supposed to be, I'm okay with that. But <laughs> In the late part of July, anyhow. That's for sure. It looks, so it looks like, at least for this neck of the woods, we're looking at uh, the severe stuff. Maybe Wednesday is our best chance right now. Yeah, it looks like yeah, it's, uh, Wednesday and Wednesday night. We have a pretty good strong cold front moving through, a pretty strong disturbance, so likely chances of some rain. Uh, probably the limiting factor will be... You know, the heat is not going to be overly warm, so it's right. probably not going to be a big severe threat like we may be seeing out with the low out of Canada, out of the southwest or anything. So, uh, yeah, midweek, if we see any weather, a uh, good chance of thunderstorms then. But right now, looking at some maybe heavy rain adding to some flooding concerns over northeastern yeah. Colorado. So It's been sitting there for a while. Yeah, so, it just yeah. doesn't move. Yeah. So, yeah, That's exactly. right. Well, well, thank you, Paul. I appreciate it. For weather any time, where do you go? KRVN.com. with a market update on the Rural Radio Network as we watch corn and wheat rally today, led mostly by the hard red winter wheat futures. Soybeans are a little bit lower, with trade tension still the topic of discussion. September corn 357, up one and three quarters. December 371, March 382, both up two. August soybeans 848 and a quarter, down one and a half. September 854 and a quarter, down one. November 863 and a half down one and a quarter. Chicago September wheat 518 and a half up two and a half. December 536 and three quarters up three and three quarters. Kansas City September 516 and a half up eight. December 542 and a quarter. That's up eight and a half. Minneapolis September 562 and three quarters up seven and three quarters. December 579 and a half up eight and a quarter. In live cattle, we are now mostly higher. August is unchanged to 108.92. October live cattle, 110.72, up 47. December, 114.67, also up 47. February, 118.42, up 37. April, 119.65, up 47. Feeder cattle, mixed. August, 153.27, down 40. September, 154.27, down 27. October 154.87, up 10. November 154.72, up 47. Lean hogs have rallied. August 66.57, up 12. But October's up $1.15 at 52.42. December's up $1.40 at 47.32. The Dow is now up 10 at 25,068. NASDAQ Composite up 14 at 7,834. While the S&P 500 is now six higher at 2,807.
Hey, University of Nebraska supporters, listen up. Alumni and parents have formed the One Nebraska Coalition. We are students, business owners, farmers, ranchers, and retirees who believe Nebraska needs a vibrant and affordable public university system. Whether you're a Husker, Maverick, Loper, NCTA Aggie, or have been impacted by UNMC, join us in standing for the University of Nebraska. Join One Nebraska's growing coalition for free at one as in O-N-E hyphen Nebraska.org. You remember how it was, gathering in the shadow of Chimney Rock, taking a wagon ride, then lining up for the most delicious Nebraska beef steak, seasoned green beans, baked potato, and sourdough bread. And now, Legacy of the Plains is recreating the event on the grounds of the museum Saturday, August 25th. Gates open at 5, dinner bell rings at 6. Then stay if you wish for the music of Chansey Williams and the Younger Brothers Band. The dinner will sell out fast. Get tickets at 308-436-1989 or LegacyofthePlains.org. Nebraska's Center for Plant Science Innovation is transforming agriculture. I'm Shaylee Peters, joining you now on the Rural Radio Network. Let's take a midday look at our ag news for a Monday. While it was built on a foundation of basic plant science, research at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln's Center for Plant Science is anything but basic. Faculty in the center are making discoveries in areas of metabolic biochemistry, stress biology, and genetics in epigenetics. While the science is groundbreaking... Edgar Cahoon, director of the center, believes the ability to bring findings to the field is what makes the work unique. The Center for Plant Science Innovation has a strong foundation in basic research, and we really value that. But we also realize that this basic research has to be translated into new products and new technologies that have a real impact, Cahoon said. Research from the Center for Plant Science Innovation has led to improved stress tolerance, more nutritious crops, expanded bioenergy qualities, and enhanced yields. Research within the center is conducted at the Beetle Center on City Campus and Greenhouses on East Campus and Nebraska Innovation Campus. The center also has access to designated field facilities for evaluation of research under divergent climatic conditions. And dozens of pigs have died when a truck carrying nearly 1,000 of the animals overturned in central Mississippi this weekend. The 18-wheeler was carrying over 900 pigs Sunday afternoon from Prestige Farms to Iowa when it flipped over. The High Point Volunteer Fire Department arrived on the scene and kept the pigs cool while they were stuck in the metal truck. Jody Garrard, Winston County Fire Coordinator, said the fire crew sprayed the pigs with water to keep them from overheating. The truck driver was taken to the hospital to be looked over, but neither the driver or the co-driver were seriously injured, and the cause of the wreck is under investigation. And southern corn rust was confirmed in corn leaf samples from Fillmore, Saunders, and Thayer counties in eastern Nebraska earlier last week. The disease had been confirmed in western Missouri and southern Kansas in the prior week after very little confirmed southern rust activities in southern states. The disease currently appears to be at a very low incidence in the fields from where samples were submitted. Cooler temperatures may help to slow the disease spread, so monitoring the weather forecast will help anticipate disease behavior, Nebraska Extension says. Fields should be scouted soon and frequently in the coming weeks for this and other diseases in case treatment is necessary. And you can submit samples to the UNL Plant and Pest Diagnostic Clinic for help identifying this and other diseases if you have concerns. And cattle and calves on feed for a slaughter market in the United States for feedlots with capacity of 1,000 or more head totaled 11.3 million head 
On July 1st, the USDA reported with their cattle on feed report Friday. The inventory was 4% above July 1st, 2017. This is the highest July 1 inventory since the series began in 1996. The inventory included 7.13 million steers and steer calves, up from 2% from the previous year. This group accounted for 63% of the total inventory. Heifers and heifer calves accounted for 4.15 million head, up 8% from 2017. Placements in feedlot during June totaled 1.79 million head, 1% above 2017. Net placements were 1.74 million head. Marketing of fed cattle during June totaled 2.01 million head, and that's 1% above 2017. Another disappearance totaled 58,000 head during June 4th, above 2017. Find the full breakdown of cattle on feed, as well as all of our other ag news, audio, and video by visiting ruralradio.com. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. So how old is the bread on your counter? Think about that for a second. Good afternoon, I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. A charred remains of bread was a conversation starter in the office of Congressman Jeff Fortenberry as I had the opportunity to meet the ambassador from Jordan, Dina Kawar. She showed me pictures of this flatbread made 14,400 years ago, well before the advent of agriculture. The charred remains of some of the earliest bread ever made. What brought into the next part of the conversation, Nebraska agriculture and Jordan. I'll let the ambassador talk. Well, I think I, I must have been certainly the first Jordanian to visit Nebraska as ambassador, of course. <laughs> and uh, I was invited by Jeff, a great congressman and a great friend of Jordan. And this was the beginning of, you know, an eye-opener for me to get to know Nebraska and and watch the first game of, of uh, football. <laughs> and uh, definitely we had discussions about the political situation, what we're doing in the region, but also we're starting cooperation on many things, including uh, getting grains and seeds and bread, because as you know, in Jordan, with His Majesty is very interesting, interested in trying to revive the culture of uh, bread making like thousands of years ago, uh, ago and, and other things. So now we're working on getting seeds of sweet corn from Nebraska because we know that you have them all the time. And, you know, not so long ago, they've discovered in Jordan uh, the evidence of bread making 14,000 years ago, more. So definitely it's something that is uh, very exciting to work on in the agricultural field. Well, talk a little bit about, about this agricultural field and what you guys are doing in Jordan to kind of do some revitalization. Yeah. Well, you know, we are an agricultural country, but we also are a country that has not much water resources. So we've done a lot on uh, irrigation that is more efficient, and the government uh, has also tried its best to avoid certain agriculture that uses a lot of water. So we're trying to be water efficient, and that has been a, a good way of, of handling the water shortage in Jordan. Um, and uh, th- that's all I know about agriculture, you know. <laughs> Perfect. Well, Ambassador, thank you for your time. Good, thank you. 
As I spoke to the ambassador after the interview, there is work being done in Jordan, and the king is working on agriculture. One of the areas that they're very interested in is irrigation. As you know, Jordan is a very dry country, and any ways that they can utilize the water they have to raise some good crops to help feed the folks of Jordan and advance agriculture is important to the king. Now, he's also taken it one step further. He's been collecting seeds from across the world, and included in that was some Native American corn seed and a variety of different seeds from around the United States. But then he had a specific request, and this is where you guys come in. He is looking for non-GMO sweet corn seed. He's looking for about a pound of it. So as a producer out there who maybe knows of somebody who has some sweet corn seed, let me know because the King of Jordan is requesting it from Nebraska. And by the way, Ambassador Kamara, she finished up her conversation with Congressman Jeff Fortenberry. She told me the opportunity she had to go see a football game in Lincoln. And she had this to add. Oh, go Big Red. <laughs> yeah. That is my conversation with the Jordan ambassador, Dina Kawar. By the way, if you've got that sweet corn seed, let me know for the King of Jordan. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Twelve twenty-four in the Central Time Zone. Time for us to take a look at sports. Here's Brandon. Good afternoon, Scott. Well, the Big Ten Football Media Days kicked off earlier this morning in Chicago, and our very own Jason Jorgensen is there and has this report. New Nebraska head coach Scott Frost is the first coach addressing reporters today on Michigan Avenue. Frost, who was named the National Coach of the Year last season by six different entities at Central Florida, figures to get plenty of attention as he starts the task of trying to remake the Huskers. Now, other coaches who will be on hand today in Chicago include Pat Fitzgerald of Northwestern, James Franklin of Penn State, Purdue's Jeff Brom, P.J. Fleck of Minnesota, Chris Ash of Rutgers, and Jim Harbaugh of Michigan. Reporting from the Big Ten Football Media Days in Chicago for the Rural Radio Network, I'm Jason Jorgensen. University of Nebraska wide receiver Stanley Morgan Jr. was one of 10 players included on the 2018 preseason honors list released this morning in conjunction with the 2018 Big Ten Football Media Days. Panel of conference media members select 10 players, five from the East and five from the West divisions, as preseason nominations. Morgan, a two-time member of the Blitnikoff Award watch list, is the only wide receiver on the 10-player list. Swimmer Ryan Lochte has been suspended again, this time until July 2019, by the U.S. Anti-Doping Agency. The 12-time Olympic medalist has been sanctioned for getting an intravenous infusion, a method that broke anti-doping rules. U.S. officials say Lochte was not using a banned substance, but under the anti-doping rules, athletes typically cannot receive IVs unless related to a hospitalization or through an exemption. Lochte posted a photo of himself getting the IV back in May. That image prompted the investigation. He was slated to be entered in four events at the national championships that were scheduled to start on Wednesday in California. It's Lochte's second suspension since the Rio Olympics. He was banned for 10 months after claiming that he and three other U.S. swimmers were robbed at gunpoint at those 2016 games, a tale that quickly unraveled. And the New England Patriots have signed the second of their first-round draft picks, Georgia running back Sonny Michael. New England selected Michael 31st overall, eight spots, after taking one of his college blockers, Isaiah Wynn. Michael is expected to be a major contributor to the Patriots' backfield, 
after New England lost running back Deion Lewis in free agency. A 5-foot-11-inch, 215-pound Michael was third on Georgia's all-time rushing list, and that sang a lot. Michael ended his college career with 3,688 yards in the last season, played in 14 games with two starts, while splitting time with Nick Chubb, who was drafted in the second round by the Cleveland Browns. Michael finished last year alone with over 1,200 yards on 156 carries, good for almost an 8-yard average for the Bulldogs. That's a look at sports. Stay tuned. More of Midday is straight ahead. You're listening to the Rule Radio Network. Tonight's forecast, clear skies, lows in the upper 50s. I'm Dave Schroeder. A woman who worked 33 years for Custer County has pleaded guilty to stealing from the sheriff's office. 59-year-old Kelly Estergaard of Callaway pleaded guilty to theft after prosecutors lowered the charge and dropped a related one. Her sentencing is set for August 23rd. Authorities say the theft occurred between July of 2015 and January of this year. Nebraska's Highway Safety Administrator says it's tough to explain why more pedestrians have been killed this year on the state's roads compared to last year. The Nebraska Department of Transportation's Highway Safety Office show that 13 pedestrians have been killed on Nebraska roads so far this year. At this time last year, the state had eight pedestrian fatalities. Highway Safety Administrator Fred Swanacek says he hopes the increase in pedestrian deaths is just an anomaly. Swanacek says people who are walking should cross roads and crosswalks, wear bright colors, follow traffic signals, and ensure they're visible to drivers. He says drivers also need to commit their full attention to driving and be aware of their surroundings. Applications will be accepted for the 2018 Bighorn Sheep Permit Lottery through August 3rd. Only Nebraska residents are eligible to apply. The lottery allows the winner to hunt for a bighorn during the season that begins November 27th and ends December 22nd. The once-in-a-lifetime hunt includes up to four days of guide service with Nebraska Game and Park staff and up to four nights of meal and lodging at Fort Robinson State Park. Proceeds from the lottery provide support for the management of the species in five areas of Nebraska's Panhandle region. As the U.S. takes a harder line on immigration, President Donald Trump often talks about killers and rapists crossing the border. But when ICE arrests migrants with criminal records, far more often the charges are for traffic violations or DUIs. A Missouri woman is one example. She had a misdemeanor DUI years ago, but had been allowed to remain in the U.S. if she regularly checked with the ICE. This year she was deported to Mexico and now lives apart from her American husband and daughter. The U.S. Coast Guard says the National Transportation Safety Board will take custody of the duck boat that capsized in Missouri now that it's been raised from Table Rock Lake. Seventeen people were killed Thursday when the boat sank amid a thunderstorm that generated near-hurricane-strength winds. U.S. Coast Guard Captain Scott Stormer says it took until today to remove the boat from the lake because that's how much time was needed to amass the necessary equipment. Great ag and news coverage at your fingertips. Click podcasts and videos right under Listen Live at KRVN.com. In the News Center, I'm Dave Schroeder. Sean Sullivan is a sixth-generation farmer from Wallace, Nebraska. And in addition to farming, Sullivan is an independent seed dealer and creator of AgriDealer, a software program designed to simplify ag businesses and store various kinds of business information and data into one source. 
On the Rural Radio Network, I'm Alex Wojcicki reporting. Sullivan began by explaining why AgriDealer was created. We started a new software program called AgriDealer. We're just finalizing the finishing touches of basically version 1.0 here and going to have it uh, released here hopefully the end of July, if not first part of August. With me having my seed dealership, I really noticed a need for a better software solution to manage all the multitude of products, not just with seed businesses, but a lot of seed dealerships are now starting to carry a lot of additional side products, whether it's 360, precision, additional lines of equipment, maybe they're offering a service like agronomy. So everybody has to have basically an independent software billing managing system for each one of those entities. So I said, let's streamline all that together so our new software can handle any type of a seed business once you input the stuff in there. You can also then manage your clientele with reminders, with photos. We've also noticed a huge aspect with that even that a lot of farmers now are farming for multiple people, whether it's a custom job or multiple landlords as people are retiring. So most softwares out there that would handle a seed type of business can't handle all the splits for individual landlords and itemizing things. And, of course, everybody wants to pay at a different time, taking advantage of discounts. And so there's a wide array of things that would be applied to each individual person. So with us creating this software that handles all that, hopefully it's going to save seed dealers, but any type of a service business or parts business or anything it's it's such a broad product that anybody could use it we were visiting with a car dealership the other day that they could even theoretically use it with their inventory management on all their new and used vehicles and where it's on an ipad app you know each salesman would always have something right there in their hand versus having to print papers off every single day so we're really excited to see where this goes the possibilities within this software, basically, if you can dream doing it, it should be able to be used with that. According to the 2016 U.S. Census Bureau, Wallace has a population of roughly 360 people, making resources for rural economic development a bit more challenging to locate. To get started on the right path, Sullivan reached out to Hayes County Economic Development and branched out from there to build AgriDealer. Some of the biggest obstacles we found initially getting started, besides the obvious, I mean, money's always (laughs) the number one hiccup for most people getting started with a new venture. We were fortunate that the state of Nebraska runs some grants to help with rural economic development area type things um, throughout the state, and we were able to qualify for that with being ag-related under one of their categories along with being a new venture in a rural area. So that was another criteria which helped us get some matching funds type thing with that. That was obviously one obstacle. The other big obstacle we were initially running into was product development. Working with something that sophisticated with software-wise, you have to find somebody that's very fluent with newer technology with software development and code writing, things of that nature. So we were able to fortunately get tied in with an outfit in 
Lincoln that just some kids basically just graduated looking for the same concept. They were starting to make their own products or, or writing codes for other people, trying to get their business up and going. So it really helped us and made us feel better helping somebody else get started in the same process, take them along with us. The nice thing with AgriDealer software is being in a very rural local area, obviously we want to try to bring more people and jobs back into our rural area. Once we get the software written, we're going to end up needing to hopefully, you know, ultimately the goal is, you know, have to find a couple of salesmen to potentially go to multiple farm shows. And if you start branching out with what the software can do to other industries, obviously going to have to start representing at those places as well. So that's going to require some manpower. Obviously, the more you grow and the faster you grow, the more IT support you're going to have to have with it being a web-based program. So you're going to be fielding those phone calls. It's a double-edged sword. You know, you want to bring people back into the rural area, keep things local type thing, but yet we wouldn't necessarily have to have a place of business that everybody has to drive to. So with it being a web-based support system, we could easily have them have that fortunate ability of staying in whatever rural area they're in or area and not have to travel and be able to work from home type thing as well. Sullivan noted that through his research, he has found nothing quite like AgriDealer on the market, but also added, It's a technology generation, so what isn't there today very well could be there tomorrow. Sullivan says he hopes to have AgriDealer on the market by August 1st. Reporting from the Nebraska Soybean Board News Desk, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff, I'm Alex Wojcicki, and you're listening to the Rural Radio Network. With the Midday Business Report for Monday, I'm Bob Brogan. Wall Street started the day in negative territory, but is making gains this afternoon. A short time ago, the S&P 500 was up about 5 at 2,807. The Dow Jones Industrial Average gained 18 points to 25,077. And the Nasdaq was up 15 points to 7,835. U.S. sales of existing homes fell 6 tenths percent in June, the third straight monthly decline. George Raitu with the National Association of Realtors says... Home sales declined with higher prices and a relative lack of inventory. The main driver of this is uh, a combination of three factors. One, extremely tight inventory still uh, coupled with uh, rising mortgage rates and also rising prices. Over the past year, home sales nationwide tumbled 2.2%. Papa John's is trying to ward off its disgraced founder by adopting a poison pill plan. The company is struggling to distance itself from John Schneider who resigned as chairman this month after his use of a racial slur during a media training session. The plan would effectively prevent Schneider, who holds 30% of all outstanding stock, from gaining a controlling stake in the company. Private equity firm Apollo Global Management will spend about $5.6 billion to buy the rural hospital chain LifePoint and combine it with health system operator RCCH Healthcare Partners. The combined privately held company will operate under the LifePoint name. It could signal the shape of things to come. An upstate New York school district is giving its surveillance system a novel upgrade. Facial recognition technology soon will check each face against a database of expelled students, sex offenders, and other possible troublemakers. It could be the start of a trend as more schools wary of shootings consider the technology. 
The New York Civil Liberties Union wants to keep the technology out of schools in Lockport and throughout New York. With today's business report, I'm Bob Brogan. Dewey Nelson with a Market Minute on the Rural Radio Network. And shortly before the close, corn and hard red winter wheat futures higher, soybeans lower, Chicago wheat futures seeing some profit-taking and now mixed. The spring wheat futures still higher. September corn, 358, December 371 and three quarters, both up two and three quarters. August soybeans, 849, down three quarters. September 854 and a half, down three quarters. And November, down one at 863 and three quarters. September Chicago wheat, 513 and three quarters, now down two and a quarter. December 532, down one. Kansas City, September 511 and a half, up three. December 537 and a quarter, up three and a half. Minneapolis, September wheat at 562 and three quarters, up seven and three quarters. We settled mixed in cattle futures as well as the hogs today, but mostly higher in both live cattle and lean hogs. The nearby August live cattle contract down 20, settling at 108.72, and the rest of the months were higher. October 110.60, up 35. December 114.90, up 70. February 118.70, up 65. August feeders settled 153.25, down 42. September 154.32, down 22. But October was up 37, settled at 155.15, and November 155.17 was up 92. The nearby August lean hog contract settled too lower at 66.42, the back months all higher. October 52.62, up 135. December 47.27, up 135. Last on the Dow, the 30 industrial average down 2 at 25,055. NASDAQ up 18 at 7,838. S&P 500 up 7 at 2,807. The experts know that ESN Smart Nitrogen is a superior option to conventional nitrogen. Who are they? They're the progressive farmers who use ESN. And they can tell you that it's just a better way to manage both the agronomics and economics of their nitrogen inputs. They also know it's an excellent choice for fall application. It spreads out their workload and helps them avoid planting delays in spring. Corn growers like to blend it with P and K for one complete fertilizer application. Plus the ease of handling means they can cover more acres in less time. Farmers planting winter wheat appreciate that they can put more nitrogen down with the seed. In fact, up to three times the seed save rate of urea. And because ESN is engineered with an advanced polymer coating, their nitrogen investment stays in the ground where it belongs until the plant needs it. But don't take our word for it. Talk to a farmer who uses ESN. Ask your retailer about ESN for fall application or visit smartnitrogen.com. Next, we'll talk with Joe Teal, Great Plains Commodities. Joe, what happened in the livestock futures trade today? Well, pretty choppy uh, in the uh, cattle today. Uh, we're going to finish mixed to uh, mostly higher, but uh, uh, nearby August uh, continues to see some uh, long liquidation. This, despite the fact that uh, we had a couple of reports and a real good uh, cattle trade uh, last week, uh, weekend, I should put it, that uh, um, uh, saw 114 uh, for the high paid for uh, cattle. But uh, we, the only thing that uh, really got affected was the back end. We saw bear spreading, but uh, a lot of rolling out of uh, 
continuing to roll out of the August contract and further back. The uh, reports seem basically neutral to maybe just slightly negative. And uh, so it really didn't have a major effect on the market. Uh, the feeders uh, saw their pressure in the front end, the back end uh, uh, a little bit higher. So uh, a lot of spread activity in the uh, cattle complex. Over in the hogs, uh, uh, nice uh, recovery out of the uh, back end of the uh, hogs. The nearby uh, finishing basically steady. It was only two cents lower. Cash still weak. But uh, the futures still well discounted to the index, even though that uh, continues to come down. Cutouts came back though at noon, and that was uh, they were a little bit better, and uh, that was for both the cattle and the hogs. So a mixed day, very choppy. Thanks, Joe. Joe Teal can be reached at Great Plains Commodities. Call this number eight hundred three two eight zero one three four. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Good afternoon on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Clay Patton. There's plenty of commodity checkoffs today, from the beef checkoff to the pork to the soybean and the corn checkoff. These checkoffs have been around for decades. Is there room for more checkoffs? Colorado Millet believes so, and we're going to find out more. I'm talking today with Chris Stump, president of the High Plains Millet Association. And Chris, as we get started here, Colorado Millet growers are pushing for their very own checkoff. So as we get started, talk to us about the current state of the Colorado Millet industry. Colorado Millet industry, I believe, is growing. People have seen the value in Millet, and I think the Millet market is expanding. And that's why we're wanting to... uh, continue to lobby for it is to continue to expand that millet and the checkoff program is going to help provide the means to, to do that. Chris, kind of give us an overview of how this is going to work to try and get millet a checkoff. Okay. I'm going to back up. I'm going to give you a little bit of history of what we've done so far and then what we is yet to come. To begin with, we had to change the rules because millet was listed as a, a feat type crop. It wasn't listed as a traded commodity. And so we had to go through legislation and get that changed. And all we had to do is just simply add millet to a traded commodity. We were able to successfully do that. It passed both the House and the Senate unanimously. Then we had a hearing where the Commissioner of Ag came to Akron and we heard from several growers, handlers, and processors. We had a hearing here in both the good and bad on reasons for the checkoff and not for it. Now, get ready to send out ballots for the checkoff. Those will be mailed out August either 8th or 9th. I'm not sure exactly. Anyways, right there at the beginning of August, and they'll have for the month of August to get those ballots and get them mailed back in. And then once those ballots are collected, the commissioner will take it and um, appoint an administrative committee for the checkoff and then providing that it is positive, I don't know that or not, depending on the results of the ballot. And from there, the committee and the commissioner will set the uh, assessment rate, and we'll be ready to roll. Following the meeting in Akron, Chris, what is the general feel among millet producers right now? Are most in support of a millet checkoff, or do some have quite a few questions? There is a divide, and as you might 
anticipate, you know, when the, when there is a an opposition, this opposition should be strong. Um, but based on our survey results, we sent out a survey results prior to the Akron hearing, and based on our survey results that we received, it was for, for the positive in wanting the referendum and the checkoff. For the ones that are opposed to the Mellon checkoff, Chris, what was their reasoning behind their opposition? One of the biggest concerns is millet is not big enough. And if we go out there, raise more millet, or add a tax, then it's going to affect the market price. They don't want that to happen, naturally. I mean, we don't want that to happen either. But they're, they're afraid that too much milk may be raised and it's going to drop the price or the involatile market price is going to become more volatile or become more volatile. They want to see it more stabilized. And that's their biggest concern is, is they're afraid that their current market is going to be shook up. That again, Chris Stum, president of the High Plains Millet Association, bringing us more information on the possibility of a Colorado millet checkoff. This is the Rural Radio Network. Dewey Nelson on the World Radio Network. Let's talk with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel's Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter, This Week in Grain. We saw a little profit-taking at the end of the session. That brought wheat down in Chicago, but Kansas City maintained firm footing for a while. Yeah, all in all, not a, not a great close, and even corn, too, getting pulled back here. I think we're probably hitting some levels where producers are going to try to catch up uh, basis out your way, 35, 30 under, kind of 40 under, depending on where you are. You know, still not to the point where I think guys are cash flowing and want to move it, but just given my experience here and talking to producers from across the country, undersold would be how to, I would categorize a lot of guys uh, in this at this period. Um, that said, until the close here on the wheat, you just see this thing churning higher, and, uh, you know, the corn, you know, maybe it looks like it wants to run up and test 380. There wouldn't be a stretch at this point technically, although fundamentally I wonder how much upside we've got here given uh, conditions that are, you know, maybe drop a little bit tonight but should, should still be strong. This was the sixth straight session in which corn closed higher. You did mention 380 possible in that December contract. Let's turn our attention to that November soybean contract. Are you positive on 870, 880? I'd like to think we can see $9. And, I mean, there's really not a whole lot here that's essentially keeping prices. I think a lot of it has to do with Brazil and, and the direction their, contra- their contract wants to go. Um, short term, I think it's about kind of export numbers staying in. We had the, the announcement this morning that China canceled some. I thought it was absorbed rather well. And uh, to be honest with you, the big winners right now in beans are the volatility sellers because we're not seeing any any action really at all. I mean, the last three sessions we've been stuck between you know high 850s and the mid 860s. I think with options expiring on Friday, August options, that, that is, uh, I, I think we should probably catch into a small range here. Uh, we'll call it, you know, within five cents of 365 on corn and uh, probably within a dime of the 365, 370 level on beans. If there would be a reason for it to buy, you know, maybe some rumors out there, I think beans rally rather quickly. But given that China's canceling shipments, I don't think there's any optimism right now that there's a deal cut anytime soon. Is the demand for high-quality, high-protein wheat uh, starting to pick up given the fact that Minneapolis gained on Kansas City and Chicago wheat? Yeah, that was a, a nice move this morning. Uh, you know, high pro is, is essentially, 
I think we have a lot more now than we did a year ago, given the, the supply, the, the size of the crops that we're seeing, at least kind of south of you. Uh, up north, the question, I think, will be high-protein supply as well. You know, when you have these big crops, you tend to see lower protein. So uh, that could be something that comes in demand. But I think with wheat right now, short-term, it's about the harvest that's kicking in in the northwest, and they're having a good crop. Thanks, John. John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago. Go to their website, danielsagmarketing.com.